Gratitude That's my everyday What's up, all you beautiful, beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee. Uh, today's guest is Elise Yallen, and she is the CEO of a company called Own It that she helped co-found with her fiance, who actually was on Life Beyond the Game podcast, if you want to go check that out. But she is an inner energy coach, transforming conscious leaders who are born to be successful. And her company, Own It, works with the really high level um, people, individuals, and companies to help um, people understand and navigate uh, their energy to reach higher levels of awareness and success in their own lives. Um, she's also a former fashion exec. She worked for uh, Christian Louis Vuitton, which I thought was really cool. And we had a very similar story, completely different careers. But I thought it was fascinating. We discussed this in the podcast, how we both kind of came, uh, reached basically the pinnacle of what we had dreamed for our lives, her being a fashion exec, me playing in the NFL, and how we had this inner calling, this intuition um, that was calling us towards something new. Uh, and we both didn't know what that was, but we both took the leap of faith and the courage to honor that calling within. And we discussed both those journeys on this podcast. And she really adds a lot of value um, and practical tips and uh, tools to help you on your journey. I hope you get as much value out of this podcast as I did. And I also want to say, before we dive in, really excited about the, the direction of the Heart Collective. Uh, we are continuing to evolve as a business. and I got some really, really exciting things in the works, um, building a whole new community platform, and if it's something you're interested in, we're launching a new website as well. And we are going to begin opening up the community to all high-level achievers, performers, former athletes, uh, entrepreneurs, anybody looking to take their lives to the next level. And what I found is it's more than just doing more, but it's about tapping in, like we talk about in this podcast, tapping into that inner knowing, the intuition, and being able to tap into these flow states. So you're actually achieving and accomplishing more that is in alignment with who you are and doing it because your energy is so aligned in this fluid way where it actually feels like you're forcing less and you're just really allowing yourself to tap into the flow. And at the Heart Collective, we can really help you tap into those. Go check out theheartcollective.com and you can learn more and really excited about this evolution. And as it kind of comes into fruition, I'll keep you guys posted, um, but check it out. Also revamping the premium model for this podcast, Quantum Coffee. It's going to be through the same kind of community platform. There's going to be a premium membership where you'll actually be able to access um, different premium offerings, um, like an Ask Me Anything. I'm going to set up Zoom calls so you can communicate with me about the guests. I'll have guests uh, come on and host calls as well. And there'll be extended episodes all through this separate paywall. And I'm really excited about that as well. And as soon as that comes out, we will plug it in the show notes so that you guys can have access to it. Really excited. Everybody that supports this podcast and listens to it, I am in deep appreciation uh, for all the support, all the love. Uh, this is really why I do it, is to connect with all of you. Um, one thing that you can really do to help out this podcast is to um, leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. That's really the only thing that the algorithms look at to improve the ratings of your podcast. Um, and so every single one matters. And if you really get any type of value out of this podcast, I really appreciate it. If you just took a few seconds, dropped a five-star review, said a few nice words about the podcast, how it's impacted your life. And if anything in this episode calls to you, inspires you, and you think it might inspire somebody you know, go ahead and share this episode. It's really quick to just really easy to click the link, share it to your social, share it to people that might benefit from it. I'm telling you, there's a lot of value that Elise drops in this episode. You're going to love it. Get your notepad out and really just you know open your mind and continue to absorb all of this information, all of this knowledge. I'm really excited to bring this episode to you and I hope you enjoy. Hey, Elise. How you doing? 
Hi, Joe. Doing well, thanks. How about you? I'm so good. What a time to be alive, huh? Completely agree. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to dive in with you. I know we did a call uh, a couple months ago now, and you took me through all the work that you're doing over at Own It um, and just how you're able to kind of track energy and make sense of kind of spiritual concepts and the energy that we all feel and kind of put it into um, an understandable chart. I just thought it was very, very fascinating. And I think it'd be very um, amazing for my audience to to hear kind of the work you're doing, how you're tracking energy, and then maybe some of the tools to help us improve our own energy and how we show up to be more efficient and tap into these flow states and really understanding how we navigate this reality, especially with everything that's going on, all the distractions, all of the media. And just, I feel like our, our attention is being taken in so many directions. And it's really, I found very important to come back to ourselves and have a self-awareness of how we're interacting with reality and, and developing the tools to, uh, to really improve that. So maybe let's start with you introducing yourself, kind of the work you do, and then we can kind of dive in. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Elise Gollin. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Own It, where we focus on the combination of people's outer and inner energy to help them ultimately be the best versions of themselves. Um, I'm going to be talking a lot more about inner energy today because that's really the the side of the business that I oversee from particularly a a coaching perspective. And um, I am an inner energy mentor. So really what that means is so often, you know, I love how you said how we interact with the reality of life, because so often we go through life, just reacting to life. We have these muscles and they're more mental muscles, right? They're not physical muscles that we've been building up over time. Um, And when we get triggered, when you, when we drop into a stress state, quite often these reactionary muscles, just, they just kick in and, it's really at times it can be really t- difficult to generate the awareness and consciousness consciousness we need to be able to overcome these and show up how we truly want to show up as opposed to how how we may be used to showing up. So essentially what inner energy does is helps us one generate the awareness. Step one is absolutely absolutely the awareness because without awareness we have nothing, right? And then from there, we start to be able to use different muscles. We start to be able to use different tools to show up as better versions, not only for ourselves, but for those in the world around us. Mm. Oh, I'm so excited to, to dive into this. What made you, you know, what led you to this work and, and kind of understanding this energy and wanting to track it and help people with it? Is there any kind of aha moment that led you into this in your own personal journey? Yeah, of course. So I'm going to tell a little story here, but um, I knew exactly what I wanted to do since the age of 13, where I thought I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. So I spent the next 13 years essentially trying to achieve that goal. What I thought it was I wanted to do uh, was to be a a fashion executive for a luxury company. Mm. Um, I got to that point by the age of 28. Um, and let me tell you the journey, the ride was absolutely amazing. I knew I wanted to live in New York city. I knew I wanted to work in fashion and it, it gave me a lot of clarity to, um, achieve what I set out to achieve. I mean, I remember being in college and my peers around me saying, wow, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm struggling, right? I have no idea what it is I want to do with my life. And you've known for so long, you have all this clarity. You're able to do all of these things to help you in pursuit of that goal that you have. So there were a lot of things that were really great about it. Um, and like I said, it was absolutely an amazing journey. And one, I would never take back. I would I would not do it differently. Um, got to where I really wanted to be by the age of 28. I was, um, you know, working towards an executive position at a company called, a fashion luxury company called Christian Louboutin. Um, that is the Ooh, company with fancy. the Red Souls. I'm sure many yeah. people are familiar with that. <laughs> Um, and then about five years ago at this point, six years ago, I became an executive there. It was on paper. It was, and in reality, it wasn't just on paper. It was my dream job. Like my 13 year old self would have looked at me and said, you have made it. You've absolutely made it. I mean, I was 
traveling to Paris every other month. I was going to really cool places, Hawaii, Mexico, Vancouver, Canada, all over the US, all of these amazing cities and, and really just living a super powerful life. And so, um, I, however, I couldn't help but notice that underneath it all, something was missing. And what was missing essentially was me living in alignment of my purpose. And so I sat on it. I mean, for a good four or five years, I, I could tell something was off. I couldn't fully figure out what it was, but I, I, I just kind of quieted it because I, I knew I was living this life that I had been de- designing and creating for so long. Um, and then one day I just woke up and I was like, you know what? It's time to get serious. It's time to figure out this has been amazing. This has been an amazing journey, but you're no longer challenged. You're no longer being the best version of yourself. Time to get out there, start to do so, just start to figure out what it is that is going to be your next chapter. So, you know, I, I call this chapter one and now I'm in chapter two of my life. So I spent the better part of a year figuring out what it was I wanted to do, Um, did a ton of research. I actually thought I wanted to be a therapist. Um, Again, did a ton of research, realized, okay, that takes six years and hundreds of thousands of dollars, Mm -hmm. not really willing to wait that long or don't really want to spend that much money. So um, did more and more research and realized, you know what, I'm going to create my own thing. I, I knew the basis of the coaching. I had figured out the, the, um, you know, the, the basis of the mindset coaching I wanted to do, but, um, the branding and, and the inner energy piece of it is something I came up with myself. And so again, as I said, this took some time. It wasn't like I woke up the next morning. I was like, I'm going to be an inner energy mentor. No, it did not happen that way. So, um, yeah, I started to get a little bit more of a direction, a little bit more of a direction, a little bit more of a direction. And I'm still fine tuning what it is that I ultimately want to be. And I, and I feel I will be doing that for my entire life journey, but you know, it's, it started here and now it's getting, for those of you who can't see me, my hands are the entire width of the screen, (laughs) but it started here and it's gotten narrowly much more narrow focus to, to ultimately be where I'm at right now and to have the clarity that I have now. I would say the toughest part was, as I mentioned in chapter one, and the first part, that clarity of what I wanted to do was an absolute gift. And it was something I took for granted. Um, It's hard living in a state where you don't have that clarity and you don't know exactly what it is you want to do. But being able to slowly come to that clearer focus place of, of what it is your life purpose is has been again, another completely different journey that I would not take back. Mm, Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's a really important thing I'd love to kind of dive deeper is because it seemed like at 13 years old, you had your purpose, you had your focus and you went and achieved it and you were living your, you know, quote unquote dream, your purpose, the thing you've wanted your entire life. What was the feeling that came up that felt like maybe there's something more? Because I think a lot of people get to that point. It was definitely similar with my journey in football. Like, I had to be so singularly focused on achieving this really challenging position I got to, but then it got to a point where like, I kind of lost the love of the game. I knew it wasn't going to last forever. I wanted to be challenged in new ways. I became a master at this thing and I had to continue to get this micro percents better to stay alive in it. And I just was tired of having to prove myself. I wanted to challenge myself in new ways. I wanted to know who I was without this identity of a football player that I've created around myself. And so I went out and had to explore and it was a very challenging few years. And I'm very much in the same boat where I'm like, I'm starting to figure out what what my work is now in the world. And that's going to be a continuing process, but it does feel good to get now, you know, when I first left the game was really, really challenging, but what were those feelings like, you know, that started arising when on paper, objectively, you know, people are like, wow, you made it, you're living your dream. You're so successful, but there's just something missing. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And it was, it's almost as if, you know, I I talked to some of my friends, some of my clients who are in relationships where on paper, everything is right. Everything is perfect, but there's something indescribable in your gut that you can't quite put your finger on it. It was that type of a feeling. It was intuitive. Mm -hmm. It was highly intuitive. I mean, I, I cannot praise the, the team that I was with and the company that I was working for at the time enough. It was absolutely, I mean, the, the, retail, the retail world can in particular be super tough, really long hours, not always the best culture, but 
at Louboutin, it was far and away the one of the best cultures I, I had ever worked in. Amazing team, you know, amazing travel. The job was really fun. But again, it was something, it wasn't about the job, right? It, it's it's not you, it's me, <laughs> is ultimately what that feeling was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't my circumstance, it wasn't any of those types of things. It was something within me that said, you've been waiting too long. We've allowed you to enjoy and ride out the the fulfillment of what this path and this journey has taken you to, but now it's time. And I really had to quiet the noise because at the time, and this was before I even set on this really self-reflective intrinsic journey, um, there was, I was living in New York city. I was traveling all over the place. There was a lot of noise and I had to get to a point where I just had to quiet the noise and start to turn inward and, and truly listen to my intuition and listen to my gut. Again, when I started on this journey, I remember saying to some of my own coaches, I feel like I don't have intuition, (laughs) but boy, boy, was I wrong because it's my intuition that has gotten me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the intuition point is, it's a fascinating one. And it really comes down to like noticing it and then listening to it, finding stillness to actually let it guide you. I felt the same thing when, you know, I was coming towards the back end of my career. I can't put my finger on what it was, but there was like my heart, my intuition, my gut was calling me to something else. And I think a lot of people feel that whether they're in a relationship that's kind of come to the end and they feel like, you know, they're comfortable there and there's something telling them there's, there's more out there for you. Maybe you don't settle for this relationship. There's a better dynamic. It's not right. It served its purpose. And a lot of people get stuck in like, same thing with a job, like, but I've worked so hard to get here. This is what I've always wanted but there's something calling them. And usually that calling is calling you into something unknown, into like starting over, into figuring out who you are. And that just triggers so much fear because to get outside your comfort zone is naturally going into the unknown. I mean, that's one of the biggest fears of being human, but there's this courage it takes to really honor that and step into it. Where does that intuition come from? You think, what, what is that calling within us that is calling us towards something new? It is ultimately, and this is my belief, right? My belief is that we are all designed to do something and we all come built in with that intuition. But I I like to call it, um, there's fear-based versus conscious-based values. And so often what happens is we set out on a journey of what the world decides we should be. So for example, and I'm Joe, I'm sure Joe, this is something you can relate to. I'm sure there's a lot of people around you who told you you're meant to be a football player. And so if you, if you were listening to this intuition, intuition at a very young age, and it was something that you were coming back to throughout adolescence, young adult life, so on and so forth, you probably would not have become a football player because you're not one today. You're living more in alignment with your passion. Same thing for me. Had I started to tune in sooner, I likely would not have had gone down the path of this fashion career that I had. I don't regret it at all because it's certainly gotten me to where I am today. However, we all are built in with this thing. Again, this is my belief that we are meant to do within our lifetime. And it could be many things, right? It could be many things. There is perhaps Maybe there is a, a a chapter of your life in which you were meant to play football and I was meant to play, or I, and I was meant to be a fashion executive, right? Like it, this is this is all part of it, but we're all built in with this intuition that is connected to our purpose within our lives. And the 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 more we start to listen to it and the closer we get to this, the more fulfilled and happy we are, happier we are on a day-to-day basis. Um the tough part is being able to quiet ourselves long enough to listen to it. Because again, as I mentioned, there's this fear-based versus this conscious-based value system. And oftentimes when we listen to what the world tells us we're supposed to be, we're meant to do so on and so forth, it ends up being a fear-based. It's not necessarily something we choose for ourselves, but when we take the time to get to know ourselves, be self-intrinsic, really slow down and say, you know, what is it I'm meant to do? What is it? What are my passions? What do I like doing? Right. Once we start to to slow down and do that, it may be 
totally out of alignment with what it is we're actually doing in reality, right? Was I meant to be an accountant or a CPA? Does this make me feel really fulfilled? Maybe not. Maybe it does. And that's okay, right? That's that's a good thing. But as we start to, to quiet down and get to know ourselves and, and go on more of a self-intrinsic journey and, and discover more about ourselves, that's ultimately when our intuition grows stronger and just gets gets a little bit louder day by day. Mm, I love it. Curiosity, right? I think that's the missing piece to, in a lot of people's lives, like asking the right questions, not of the world, but of yourself and really connecting with that intelligence that's within you and asking it the right questions and then finding the stillness to be able to listen. And like you said, in the society that we grew up in, like there is all of this pressure and programming and we're told this is what success looks like. This is what achievement looks like. This is how you're going to find happiness. You need to make more money. You need to have the white picket fence. You need to have the amazing relationship, start a family. There's kind of this trajectory that everybody takes that like, this is the path of life. And it, it, it kind of keeps us from asking the questions of like, well, what is it I want to do? And a lot of times the passion that people have, they just, they don't follow it because they're told that this is how you find happiness. And it is, it takes a lot to start questioning those stories and deconstructing the story of who you think you need to be, you know, and I've, and a lot of my own self-reflection, you know, going back into why is it that I decided to play football? And there's definitely a layer of that, of I was good at it early on and I started receiving praise and validation and love, especially from football coaches, which I viewed as kind of these fatherly mentors and it was filling a need of I wasn't receiving enough love and attention from my dad. And my dad was not a, a bad dude. He just wasn't very energetically present with me. And he didn't really kind of guide me like I wanted him to. And so I found that role model figure in football. And they were like guiding me, telling me what I needed to do to be successful and like how I can be better and how I can make it to the next level. And I just loved that. And next thing I know, I just got really good at it. And I got this dream of like, I want to make it to the NFL. And I realized like, damn, I just want my dad to say he's proud of me. And that drive, the internal drive that I was so unaware of and unconscious of at the time got me to literally be one of the best players in the world at the sport I tried to receive validation through. And it was fascinating that once all of that was over and kind of done with, I felt this very existential crisis of like, oh, wow. It's not only like, who am I without this thing that's defined me for so long, but how am I going to receive love from the world, from the people I love without this thing that I'm so great at? And that's what led me on this self-discovery journey. Um, but yeah, it's really, really fascinating to have to tap into and deconstruct those stories of what reality tells us we need to be. So let's get into kind of the work you do with the inner energy and, um, and how you know we can help people who might be listening to this really tap into to that inner energy, that inner world, the inner story, the, the inner calling and how to navigate that and then really, you know, get into alignment energetically so that they can start feeling more fulfilled and following that purpose and that guidance that is greater than themselves. Um, before we dive into that, would it be okay if I kind of responded to what it was you were talking about between yeah. when you, when you were referring to, um, you know, the world essentially telling you what it is you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, because bridging the gap and moving from a, a fear-based or I'm going to call it the world telling you what you're meant to be to more of a conscious space where you tune into your intuition and choose what it is you want to be is an incredibly scary thing. It's a really, really scary jump to make me having done it, you know, within the last couple of years myself, you're abandoning everything you've known. And I think what a lot of people experience is, no, you know what? I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to, you know, overturn my family or their security, or I don't want to upset those around me, or I don't want to live up to what those other people around me expect me to do, right? As humans, we want to be validated. We want to be, um, we want others to approve of us, right? We want to be affirmed. And when we go out and do something that feels really different, like, like you said there, it's almost as if there's a path that everybody follows, right? You go to, you go to school, you go to college, you choose whatever it is you're meant to do, whether it's sports or finance or business or science or being a doctor or a dentist or whatever it may be, right? You choose your thing and then you go on, you meet the love of your life, you get married, you have a family. And it's like, that's like you said, that's the recipe for success. There's actually probably a lot of us who are not meant 
to follow that path and to create our own path. And it's a very, very scary thing to do to say, no, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm not going to do what mom or dad or professor or teacher or coach expect me to do. I'm going to do what it is I want to do because we are embarking upon, and you said this earlier in the podcast, you're embarking upon the unknown. And it's really scary to dive into something that is completely unknown because there's this sense of trust of something greater than yourself that you have to believe in to be able to be successful in something like that. So um, I just, the, the point I'm trying to make is it's understandable that it's a super, super scary thing. But oftentimes when we do bridge that gap, it is life-changing. It's mm. absolutely life-changing. I was having a conversation with my father who is somebody my entire lifetime I've always wanted approval from. He was an entrepreneur himself, pretty successful. Um, you know, I, I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer and he said, no, you're meant to be actually on the business side of fashion. He was right. I don't have a creative bone in my body, <laughs> but it was one of those things where I was being guided in terms of the career path I was meant to follow. I wanted to go to fashion school. No, you go to business school and then you can get into fashion. Um, and so he was absolutely guiding me in that way. And when I left my extremely successful career, I was very fearful I would be disappointing him and that I would be letting him down. And actually we had a conversation a couple months ago and it was the exact opposite. He said to me, I could not be more proud of you. Mm. He's 60, he just turned 64 or 65. I don't, I don't remember. Just irrelevant. But anyways, he at the age of 61 just figured out what his passion was. And he's regretful that he didn't do something I did way sooner in life. He's like, I could have gotten back 30 years of living in my passion. Hmm. I, I would have had a completely different life had I done this sooner. And so what my advice is, is yes, it's super scary to jump into the abyss, to jump into the unknown. But for those of us who, who have done it a little bit sooner on in life, absolutely. When you do it and trust yourself and trust the universe and trust that you have your own back, it's extremely rewarding. And even those of us who are successful and have found it much later in life, there is the regret there that it was that it didn't happen sooner. Mm, yeah, I love that. I mean, what's the alternative not doing your passion is living with regret at a later time in life. And I think for me, what's helped me really go after it is is confronting death, confronting the finite experience that we have, that time is ticking, that we're not going to be here forever, that we're getting older. But I think so many people, there's such a big fear of death that they kind of just don't even think about it because it's such a scary thing to think about. But for me to remind myself of the impermanence of life every day and not live in fear of it, but the reality of it allows me to be more present, allows me to be more grateful, allows me to let go of this expectation that everything needs to be perfect and to go explore life and live it fully. I think that's a big piece that's helped me is like, I read a book one time and it was, they did like some research where they asked a lot of terminally ill people kind of on their deathbeds, a few questions and the common denominator throughout everybody is like, I wish I, they had regret and I wish I would have done. It wasn't the things that I said yes to that I regret. It was the things that I said no to. And so that really like struck a chord. I mean, I'm even vibrating thinking about it. And it's like, how do I say yes to life? How do I say yes to experiences? And, and being able to have an awareness of when it's a fear trigger of the unknown, of the experience of, you know, getting outside my comfort zone and recognizing, okay, that's just a little discomfort. Let me lean into that. And I've actually adopted through that lens, you know, I love the quote on the other side of fear lies freedom. And if you can go towards the things that scare you, I mean, I truly believe that's the compass. Like if you were trying to find your purpose, like find some stillness and what, what scares the shit out of you as far as like a career path or, or getting outside your comfort zone, go do that thing. And it might not be the thing, but it's going to show you what the thing is if you continue to navigate the things that scare you. Yeah, exactly. Let it be your motivation because we only have, at the end of the day, we only have one life to live. So why not leave nothing on the table and go after it with everything you have? Mm, that's it. I love it. Um, so how do we help get people there? What is what are some tools? What are what are some things to improve the awareness or to start tapping into the energy of you know this this calling that we might feel? And how do we navigate this challenging, unknown, you know, courageous act to to follow what we're being called to do? Sure. Um, 
so it's not easy, right? It's, it's not like you can just say, Joe, quiet everything that you're doing and start listening to your intuition. It doesn't work that way, right? But what it does start with is awareness, a little bit of awareness and a little bit of reflection. So what I, what, what I suggest a lot of people do, and I, and I use this with a lot of my clients is 10 minutes a day of reflection, right? What went right? What didn't, what didn't go well? Um, for me, I do it a little bit longer. I, I take about a 30 to 40 minute walk with my dog every morning. And for me, that is my time to really center myself, to just say what feels in alignment, what feels out of alignment, what's going well, what's not going well. What are my intentions? What are my goals for today, this week, this month, this year, so on and so forth. We don't have to wait for new years to set those intentions. And it's a daily thing, but in doing so it's generating awareness of what's actually happening in my life. Once I started to do that, once I started to generate awareness, and again, my, my intuition didn't pop in right away, but it started to slowly get louder and louder and louder. And so the tangible thing I could do, the tangible thing I could practice was to start to practice awareness. You know what? I was really a jerk to my mom. Maybe I need to go back and apologize and say, I'm sorry I did that. I'm aware I did that. I'm aware I snapped at you. I'm not, I'm going to really work on not doing that next time. Right. Something like that. Or, you know what? I'm, I'm aware that maybe I'm not feeling as challenged as I should be. Right. I was feeling boredom at work today. I was, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling really, really tired at like one o'clock. You know, the day isn't flying by anymore. Like it used to, I used to get to work at eight o'clock and, you know, leave at seven o'clock. And it's like, I feel like the time just flew by. I have the awareness that that's not happening anymore. So I'm wondering where the disconnect is. What's really going on? And once we start to generate this awareness and we can use it in every single area of our lives, how we're feeling at work, how we're feeling in our relationships, how we're feeling in our relationship with ourselves, how we're feeling about our health, right? It, it, it resonates in every single area of our lives. You know what? My, my, this happened with my fiance a couple of years ago. Um, he had a gastrointestinal issue and, and it was actually ended up being precancerous. And for years, he just sat on it. When it got to a point where he started to, to notice it and gain the awareness of it, that it could have been life-threatening had he not dealt with it at the time that he did. And so just really tuning into that awareness and saying, okay, how, how is this part of my life? How is this part of my life? How is this part of my life? And almost taking an inventory, so to speak, practicing that inventory every single day to start to generate that awareness is my strongest advice for a starting point. Because like I said, you know, those of us who are practicing this type of work for much longer are able to connect with our intuition a little bit quicker, right? I'm sure, Joe, that's something that resonates with you because clearly it's something you've, you've been practicing for a while. I mean, I loved how before we even jumped on this podcast, you, you took a moment to just center ourselves, be present and just take a few deep breaths. And oftentimes people do not take, they take zero amount of time in every single day to do those types of things. It's you wake up in the morning. As soon as you wake up, you're dealing with kids. You have your cup of coffee. You barely eat breakfast on the way out the door. As soon as you get out the door, it's sitting in traffic or rushing to, so that you're not late for a meeting. And then you, the, the day just flies by barely time to eat lunch. You get home six thirty, seven o'clock dinner. Dinner is, you know, either quick to prepare or not really a lot of presence around that, not really connecting with your partner or your kids or whatever it may be. Have a couple glasses of wine, take the sleeping pills, fall asleep, watch some TV before you get, go to bed, fall asleep, do the same thing all over again. Mm-hmm. In that situation, there's no presence. Mm-hmm. There's no practicing of presence in our daily lives. And that's, that's what, you know, my, my partner, Justin and I do is, is help people from both an inner and an outer energy perspective to start to generate awareness of how we're living our lives. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like that's that day you just described. I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that. And I find myself when I get caught in those, I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm living in the future, in the past, and I'm not present. Like you talked about what I've realized is presence is the key. How do I be present with every experience as it's happening? And that can really slow time down where you're not actually Mm -hmm. living in the future, always trying to chase something, always in that rat race, always lacking, thinking there's something else out there. 
But even in the challenges, like how can I be present with this and observe this and be very grateful for this? And I think the breath is so powerful. And if you're listening to this, I'd like you to reflect on when's the last time you actually took a conscious breath, like where you just slowed down and took one breath. And that's really all it takes. That's a great place to start. Like before you start your day, when you wake up in the morning, just take a big, deep breath. And that's all you need. And if you can do those more throughout the day, it will remind you to be more present. You'll drop out of your mind, into your body, into the experience of life. And I think it's so powerful that most people don't do that. And the great thing about the breath is it's like, it's one of the only things that's this bridge between the unconscious and the conscious, because you have to breathe to be alive. And you can go your whole day without actually deciding to breathe. And you're still breathing, but you're just not aware of it. And in a moment, you can just say, I'm going to decide to breathe. And in that moment, it's this bridge from the unconscious into conscious awareness. And the more breaths you take, even if it's like 10 breaths without getting lost in the mind, are so, so, so dang powerful. So I appreciate you sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about the, the inner and the outer energy and like kind of the difference between the two and the importance between the two. Sure. So there's, there's four key types of energy that we've identified. There's physical, there's emotional, there's mental, and there's purpose, what we call purpose energy, or some people think of it as spiritual energy. Now, the, the outer energy is that outermost physical. Think, think of it as... Um, as almost the, you know, those Russian dolls where there's a smaller doll inside of a, of a, of a slightly larger doll and then a larger doll. So think of that where physical is the larger, most container. Then we go into mental is the second largest container, then emotional, then that purpose is the, is the most centerpiece, that smallest doll in the very middle. So that, that outer energy is what encompasses the entire thing. Our bodies, our, our physical our physical beings is what encompasses everything. So if you are living in that scenario that I just described, where likely your inner energy circle is probably smaller than somebody who has greater awareness of how they're living, your, your mental, emotional, and spiritual that lives within that can only grow so big. It can only grow to the capacity that that physical container is allowing for you to have. So what we do is oftentimes we start with that outer energy. We make sure we do a lot of testing. We do DNA testing. We do metabolic testing. We do blood testing to understand where you're at and how we can start to, to improve some of your daily habits so that you have more physical energy, right? Because if you're waking up completely exhausted because you needed those couple glasses of wine and that sleeping pill and that melatonin to fall asleep, likely you're not going to have the energy you need to perform spiritually, emotionally, and mentally the next day, right? You're, you're just getting by, you're surviving. And so we want to take people out of survival mode and to live in fulfillment and more in alignment with their purpose. So that outer energy really focuses on that, that outermost container, which is the physical piece of energy. Now, the inner energy is the, the, the other three types of energy inside of it. It's that mental, that emotional, and that, that purpose or that spiritual energy. And what we have to do there is once we understand what's going on on the outside, we can then start to look inwards and say, okay, you know what? Now that I build my capacity bubble, I have much larger capacity. I now need to build my sustainability, right? I have this capacity, but how can I grow from a, from a purpose perspective? How can I grow from a mental perspective? How can I grow from an emotional perspective? I'll tell you a, a story of, of a client that we worked with that kind of explains this. So he was a younger guy, late, late twenties, early thirties, um, extremely successful entrepreneur was a, a husband, father of two, um, you know, had a, a happy relationship, really loved his children. Um, his entire life, he had looked and felt a certain way in the last five years he had put on some weight. So he came to us to try to understand, okay, I, I don't feel as good as I felt, but I also feel like emotionally, mentally, and, and most importantly, spiritually or, or purposefully, it's holding me back from achieving my purpose. And so we started with a, with a series of testing to understand how we could tweak his, his physical habits so that he could start to see success. We put together a whole fitness routine for him. We, we put together a whole nutrition plan for him. Um, we put together a whole sleep cycle, a whole sleep plan, a morning, a night routine, right? The list goes on. He could not stick to his exercise plan. 
it wasn't, it wasn't outrageous. It was 30 minutes a day. I think it was four or five days a week, right? Not, not outrageous. Um, but for some reason, every single day, he said, rationally, logically, I know I need to do it. But for some reason, there's something holding me back in my purpose is stopping me from doing this. So for, what we did was I came in from an inner energy perspective and asked the question, and this is one of the most powerful questions out there is what's really going on? Mm-hmm. Asking ourselves what's really going on. And so when we were able to align his, his outer most physical external action that he needed to do, which was his exercise routine with his purpose, that's where we saw change. So, okay, I know I have to do this because I want to look and feel how I felt when I was in my 20s. Okay, great. Sure. That's the physical. Let's go a layer, layer deeper, a, a level deeper. Okay. Well, I want to do this because I want to make sure I have the, the mental capacity. I know if I'm doing this physical, physically, I'll have the mental capacity. It will make me feel awake earlier on in the day. It'll give me the mental energy to be able to, to show up better in my business. Okay, great. Let's go a level deeper. Um, you know, emotionally, I want to make sure I'm feeling happier during the day. So I know that if I'm doing this fitness routine, I'll have endorphins for longer and it'll make me feel more emotionally satisfied. It'll also make me feel from an emotional perspective, more satisfied because it I'll start to feel like I used to feel right. Okay. Let's go to the deepest level, which is that purpose piece of things, right? Again, that's, that's the level of what's really going on. Well, you know, I have these two daughters who are three and five. And um, for me, one of one of my biggest purpose, one of my largest values in my life is my family and my daughters in particular. And, you know, I was, I was running around with them the other day. And after about 20, 25 minutes, I had to go sit down. I couldn't run around with them anymore the way that I used to. And I don't want to miss out on those moments with them. You know, they're both going to be, they're both on soccer teams. They're going to be playing soccer soon. And on Saturdays, I want to be out in the yard with them playing soccer. And so that's what got him to really start to create the sustainability in his routine is it's about family. It's about being there for my daughters, as opposed to, I want to look a certain way. I want to look how I did when I was in my twenties. So we were able to, in in doing so, he's able to build that outermost capacity but he builds the sustainability through connecting with that purpose piece of things. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's how it's all connected. But I, I mean, I, I love what you said. It really does start with the physical because in order to access higher levels of awareness, be more balanced and in control of your emotional body and to really access that intuition is to feel good in your physical body. Cause you're not going to have an awareness. I think this is a huge issue in our society and culture is people don't know what feeling good feels like. And so if they're constantly right. lethargic and don't have good energy levels and how, how do you expect them to really show up and, and have the energy to, and because it takes so much energy and courage to go figure this stuff out. And if you're not feeling good in your physical body, then there's no way you're going to be able to access it. But then using that deeper, deeper layer of purpose to help you create the sustainable habits as well. Could you talk a little bit about like, you know, just some, some practical things that are very important to start improving your physical body to start feeling good in your body so that you can start accessing these higher levels of awareness? Yeah, absolutely. So we use, um, at own it, we use what we call the eight controllables. Um, and those are the eight key areas to have awareness in your life, to help you create habit change, to start to increase the amount of energy that we have on a day in and day out basis. They are sleep, nutrition, intentional movement, hydration, immune function. So immune function is, you know, if we feel ourselves starting to get sick, environment, self-care and mindset. Now those last three environment, self-care and mindset are more inner energy focused. The first five are those physical habits. Those are more outer energy focused. And the first four we always start people on are the first four I mentioned. And then quite frankly, the most important from a physical perspective for us to start us on our journeys. So sleep, super easy. Just try to get four to five sleep cycles a night. That's uh, five and a half to seven hours a night. And I'm not saying it's five and a half or seven hours because one sleep cycle is 90 minutes. So if we're waking up at six or six, six or six hours and 15 minutes, 
we're going to feel that grogginess. I'm sure everybody's felt, I know I felt it. The alarm goes off and it's like, you can't even open your eyes because you're waking up in the middle of a sleep cycle. And so if we can backwards time it to either have that five and a half or seven hours of sleep, and just make sure it's divisible by 90, then we're going to feel a lot more, more energetic that next day. So that's number one. Five is the ideal. So that seven hour mark is the ideal. But again, if, if things are crazy, if things are, are busy, try to get it t- towards that four hours of, of um, sleep cycles per night. Uh, so you're saying it's no. better to even sleep five and a half or seven. So if you're going to wake up and you need to wake up early, wake up at five and a half, then seven, because exactly. you have more energy. That's exactly. one thing I've, I've kind of implemented just a little note on that for my journey is I, unless I need to wake up early, but you know, I work from home and create my own schedule. I love having my mornings to like get slowly into it, do some morning practices, not just jump right into whatever I need to do. And it's been amazing because my wife's one of her big values of finding, you know, how do you define success? And one of the things top on her list is I do not want to wake up to an alarm clock. And so I started adopting that. And so I haven't used an alarm clock unless I really need to wake up for something. And so I naturally wake up in that sleep cycle. And I think it allows me to hit the ground running with more energy rather than like the abrupt, like, oh, because so many people wake up to an alarm clock and it's not natural and you're going to feel groggy and you're going to be like, need to get the cup of coffee. So I think that's very fascinating. You're exactly right. Yep. And that's the complete difference between those, those two feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, another good thing to start practicing is that movement just at least 30 minutes of intentional movement a day. That doesn't mean walking to your car or going up the stairs or things that you would normally be doing throughout the day. Go for a 30 minute walk, you know, go for a 30 minute jog, jump on a bike for 30 minutes, do something intentional for at least 30 minutes a day. That's number two. Number three is the nutrition. So this is, we have what we call a three, two, one rule when it comes to this three meals a day, two pieces of fruit a day, within those, within those meals as a snack and at least one big salad as one of those meals every day. And I don't mean like a massive Caesar salad with dressing, load it with veggies, get a light dressing, get some protein on it. Something that feels healthy. That's number, that's the third one. The fourth one is hydration. So half your body weight in ounces, go get a big water, something that's, that's 40 ounces. Um, and then, you know, divide your body weight in half. And let's say you have a 40 ounce water bottle, you know, you need to have two or three or three and a half of those a day. And then if you're working out and sweating or having um, some alcohol or coffee for every one of those things, add an additional 10 ounces. So those are, those are the, the um, best, the, the, the best habits that regardless of your situation, you can start to to practice today. And then when it comes to the mindset, those are more of the outer energy. When it comes to the mindset, the inner energy piece of things, two biggest things that I suggest, one of them I already suggested was 10 minutes of reflection every day to start to to, um, generate that awareness. And from a meditation perspective, power of meditation is magical 10 minutes a day and typically do it within the first two hours of waking up. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Why do you think, because I think it's a big issue, especially with nutrition, eating healthy. I think there's an educational component of people. Like, I think one thing that really helped shift my perspective was when I started, I did keto for a while and keto made me look at um, like macronutrients, like uh, what is in the actual ingredients of stuff and really understanding how much processed shit is in all of our food that we eat and like fast mm-hmm. food, not even knowing what's in it. And I think a lot of people, they just, they don't even have the awareness of what's in their food. And they kind of in this place of denial, or they, they are so overwhelmed by the back of a box. That's like, I don't even know what to look at. Tastes good though. And so they can't make that correlation of what it, what, what it feels like to eat, you know, healthy, natural, high vibrational foods. And then they go to this process stuff. And, it, and if you never get to that point of feeling good, like now I stopped eating fast food, stopped eating a lot of processed foods. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Like I'll go have some ice cream and stuff. But when I do eat certain things because I'm feeling good most of the time, it like really affects my energy. And I can tell like, oh, it's because I ate this thing. But a lot of times until you get to that point, you'll be like lethargic after like two hours after a meal and you don't really correlate like, oh, it's because I had all this, you know, fatty oils that's unhealthy for me. What is that issue with people that they struggle so much to change that habit. I know there's probably some chemical addiction stuff with the food that we create and making it highly, you know, attuned with the brain chemistry, like releasing all this dopamine and stuff. But how do people 
really start to shift that, those eating habits? Because I feel like that's a huge challenge with a lot of people. Well, that's why we make it super, super simple is Mm. just three, two, one, right? Don't, don't go crazy and don't, don't, don't go completely, um, drastically changing your diet and just cutting out all fatty foods at once. Because oftentimes when that happens, it feels like a sprint and not a marathon. And that's where failure oftentimes happens, right? I mean, you talk about these diets and people do yo-yo diets because, the the diets that are put up that are put in front of them are not necessarily meant for long-term success. Right. Um, and so that's why we say three meals a day, two, two, um, pieces of fruit and one big salad. Start there, start with the big salad, right? Like eliminate the burger at lunch and have the burger at dinner and start to see how you feel. You feel a little bit different, right? Have those two pieces of fruit instead of a piece of chocolate in the afternoon, start to make these little tweaks within the diet because that's where you're going to lose the first 10 pounds, right? And that's where you're going to start to feel the change. And then the next one, maybe you don't drink every single night of the week, right? Maybe you're drinking three nights a week and you're not drinking, you're not having six cocktails, you're having two or three instead, right? That's where the next 10 pounds come from. And it's these little tweaks along the way that rationally we know, we know that these aren't necessarily healthy for us. We all know that, right? We know it's not healthy to be drinking six drinks a, a night. Um, but it's, it's these little habit formations, these little changes along the way that we start to see big changes in, in a much grander scheme. Um, and so that's why we say always start with the simplest things, the, the simplest habits, and then we can start to hone in and start to educate ourselves and, and start to pay attention to macros, start to pay attention to sugars, start to start to say, you know what, that's a marketing ploy. I, I, I'm educated. I know what's actually in this. Um, and when we approach it from that way, again, it's much more sustainable as opposed to saying, I have to do exactly this, exactly this, exactly this, exactly this. Yeah. I love it. I like to say consistency over intensity, and you can apply that to, you know, the food. Like if you try to shift your diet, you're going to actually probably feel pretty bad for the first couple of days. And you're going to be so stressed trying to change it. Your body's going to be so addicted to those foods because it's a brain chemistry thing as well, that you're going to actually probably feel worse before you start feeling better. And then you're just going to out of habit, reach for that thing because you want to feel better. So, you know, trying to consistently and slowly integrate healthier habits, you know, drink a glass of lemon water when you first wake up rather than your coffee and see how that affects you. And I think the key here is having awareness as you're shifting this throughout your day, your energy levels, because that will help you solidify it. If you're like, wow, I'm feeling really good today. And you journal about it after, after the day and you kind of track your Mm -hmm. food and you're like, okay, it's because I ate this. Then you can start correlating your energy levels with the food and the fuel that you're feeling, you're feeling yourself with. I love the consistency over intensity as well for me in working out because I had to adjust my mindset of being, you know, a football player. I was in the gym like two, two and a half hours, squatting, heavy weight, bench pressing, like all this weight is really hard on my joints. And so the first year afterwards, like I had this, I felt like I wasn't actually getting any work done unless I was in the gym for two and a half hours with this mindset of like, I'm going to focus on this. And I've slowly adjusted into this consistency over intensity, like moving throughout the day, like not sitting for too long a time, getting up and going for a walk. If I'm feeling stagnation in my body, I do yoga for about 30 minutes in the morning. It like wakes my body up, moves it out. And I have like a little kettlebell that I'll do some swings with and just move the body. But I haven't been to the gym in a year and a half and I'm in the best shape of my life because I eat better and I'm really aware of what I put in my body. And then I move consistently throughout the day, which you know allows me to feel better and move the energy around, which is so important. It's not about the things. It's about connecting with how everything makes you feel. And if you're feeling bad in your body, like having awareness of it, what can I do now in this moment to shift the energy around? You know, just a little story about you know my wife. She just had a baby six months ago. She's trying to really work on getting her body back. And one day, a couple of weeks ago, she's just like, we were having some friends over and she was just like, I'm just, and I noticed she was just like upset. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, I just don't know what to wear. And then we kind of dove deeper and she's like, I just don't feel good in my body. And she's like looking in the mirror and she's like, ah, and I could just tell she was like judging herself. And I was like, you know, it's a feeling like, how do we shift that energy? How do we shift that feeling to feel better? And then you'll notice that you'll feel better in your body. Then you won't judge yourself so much for how you look. And so what we did is like, let's go get in the sauna, you know, sweat, sweat a little bit. Then we went and did a little bit of yoga. I took her through like a 20 minute yoga flow. And then my friend had a, a cold plunge and then she dunked in the cold plunge for like 30 seconds. And then she went in the shower and she was just like, Oh my God, I feel so much better because we were able to move that stagnant energy around. 
And I think it's really beautiful to connect with that because if you feel like you want to shift your body because you want to look better, I think that's such a hard thing because it's such a marathon. But if you notice every day where, how you feel in your body, and if you can move the energy around by doing movement and eating better and start feeling better in your body, you'll naturally, your body will start tightening up and you'll actually start looking the way you feel. So it's almost like putting the feeling first rather than judging what you look like. I think that's a powerful way to, to connect with this whole journey. You're exactly right. And that's, you know, that's, that's essentially those, those changes and those habits and those energy shifters, as you, as you called it, is the, the, the ultimate baseline of what we do at own it. And there's actually a measurement that our body has that's baked into our bodies that we can measure with a wearable that not only um, tells us how we feel, but validates how we're feeling. And it's called heart rate variability. And so one of the things that in addition to all those habit changes I mentioned earlier, one of the things we always, always, always suggest to people is start to measure it, start to measure how you're feeling. That heart rate variability, what it is, is it's the distance between heartbeats, between heartbeats. So I'm sure if you've ever seen Grey's Anatomy where it goes beep, beep, and it has the big high rise, it's the difference in milliseconds in those, those high points in the heart rate. And so the more stringent it is, right, the more strict our heart rate is beating, that means we have a lower variability in our heart rate, which means we are more stressed. But our the higher heart rate variability we have, the more flowing our heart rate is, the more relaxed we are. And so if you just start to tune in, and again, in that, that time of your reflection, just, just write down or start to take note of your heart rate variability every single day, you'll see, of course, you're really pushing yourself one day. It'll probably drop the next day. Say you have a really hard workout or you're, you have a really emotionally taxing day or whatever it may be. You're, it, you'll have a slight dip, but then do those things to put yourself into recovery mode, right? Like the next day, maybe you do some yoga. The next day, maybe you make sure you're not drinking. The next day, maybe you, you make sure you're waking up with a smoothie, having a piece of fruit, having a salad for lunch, having a piece of fruit in the afternoon, and then having some fish and vegetables for dinner and start to see the impact on your heart rate variability. Because not only is it that feeling that we have, we, our bodies know, right? That heart rate variability measures the stress on our bodies. And all of those eight controllables create based on our habits can either create stress or relieve stress. Hmm. And so once we start to practice some of those habits, you can actually go in and measure whether it's working or not. And you can start to see the increase over time. I'll tell you myself, when I started, when we, when we started using this for ourselves, my heart rate variability was around a 25. Now women are typically lower than men. Justin's was in the seventies. Um, and now I'm in the fifties on a day in and day out basis. And he's in the hundreds. Hmm. And so, but it's because we've been using these habits and you can see there was a couple months where I was in the thirties. There was this, you know, a six months where I was in the forties and now I've started to get to the, these, the, the, this area of fifties. And it's just, you know, it's because I continue to practice these habits. It doesn't, doesn't mean that it doesn't dip right. This past weekend was my sister's wedding I'm back down in the thirties, a couple of days, but I know what I need to do to get myself back up to those fifties. Yeah. I think this is becoming a more of a mainstream thing. And just to, to make a point and you can talk a little bit about this, but it's not about like the normal question is like, okay, what should my heart rate variability be? And it's different for everyone. And that's why it's important to track it consistently. Cause then you exactly. can see where your baseline is and then how you're improving it. It's not necessarily like, Hey, let me start. Should I be 70? Should I be a hundred? Where should I be at? It's like, okay, where am I at? And how am I different this week than last week? And then over months and stuff, you can actually track over like a year and you can have to see this very smooth line of improvement overall and not judging yourself when it goes down because it's not like a scorecard. It's just an awareness tool to be like, okay, I'm feeling low energy. It's showing me I'm low energy. Reflect on what was I doing to make that low energy. Maybe I went to a wedding and partied a little bit, stayed up a little bit later. And I usually do. I'm not in my normal house. So I'm not in my comfort zone. And then how do I get that back up to my baseline or even improve it? That's so important. Um, what are some like other tools that people can buy? I know there's a few different options to track this, this HRV. So you need some sort of a wearable. So pretty much every wearable out there, um, we highly recommend Whoop. Um, that's that's one of the best ones out there. Whoop or Ring is great. Apple Watch, um, Fitbit, they all they all show HRV. Um, 
we are actually coming up with an app in a couple months that does all of this for you. So it'll automatically pull all of your HRV information. It'll track it. It'll, and it will, um, it will start to monitor your HRV adaptation, which is kind of what you were saying is continuing to see your baseline and seeing your baseline increase and change and increase as you're practicing some of these habits. So it ties in this, this baseline HRV trend that we're seeing with some of these habits that you can turn on or turn off to help support this, this positive HRV change. Mm, Yeah. Congratulations on the app. Is that something that anybody can, can download or is it only clients that use you guys? It will be right now. It's, it's with clients, but yes, it, it, we're hoping early 2022, it'll be consumer based. Okay, cool. We'll definitely put a thing out to my community when that takes place. Um, it's so cool, especially early on when you're trying to shift drastically your lifestyle, your habits, you're starting to have more awareness. Like, okay, I, I want to live a healthier, more sustained energy life. It's cool to, to get these wearables. What I've noticed with myself is it's cool to gamify it. I think there's a psychological thing where you can actually look at the screen and track it and actually be like, hey, today I'm going to actually eat better because I know I'm going to keep myself accountable by looking at this thing every day or once a week and kind of see how my tra- I'm tracking and it brings that awareness by gamifying your kind of health into um, into the mode. And it, it really does help you stay. It's like an accountability thing, which I think is really important exactly. for people to, to give a try. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, we're coming up on the end. I'd love to get your perspective on kind of what's going on you know, collectively with the world. I feel like we're obviously going through a big transitional phase. We're kind of facing kind of issues and problems that humans have never faced before with this kind of globalization, obviously with the pandemic. And there's just, uh, you know, a lot going on. It seems as if we're going through this huge transition. There's obviously a technological uh, revolution advancement. And, you know, I'm really excited. I've come to a place of like, really excited to witness the transition that happens over the next couple of decades, because it's so exciting and there's no way to predict it. And I think that creates a lot of fear for people. As you know, we talked about earlier in the show is like, how do I face the unknown in my own life? And now on top of that, collectively, we're facing this big unknown. Like there could be big shifts politically. There could be shift, big shifts financially. There's, you know, societally, all of these different things. And so I think that creates a natural fear that once, you know, people are hanging on to like, I want things to go back to normal. And I'm sorry to say like, nothing's going back to normal. Like we're just, we're evolving so much as a species and like how it turns out, I think is still up for debate. But I think the important thing is how can we do the best possible way of, of navigating this transition in your perspective? What are things that we can really do to, to help us find, you know, being centered and, you know, going after our purpose? Because I think even collectively, a lot of people's purposes are going to change because as our environment changes, as our kind of, you know, structure of society changes, people are going to start waking up and realizing, wow, this is a real opportunity to go shift who I am, how I show up in the world and create a better world for all through the passions that I have. Yeah. Um, a very, um, thought provoking question. So I would say what I have noticed, one of the biggest things I've noticed is that um, people have a lot more time with themselves than they used to. And that can be a very scary thing because again, you know, I even said it, my chapter one life versus my chapter two life. Chapter one, I was on the go. I was living in New York city. All I was on the go all the time, right? I was on a plane every other week. So were a lot of other people. Right. And it's, it's easy to just, you know, I'm going to get on the plane. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to land. I'm, I have a dinner. I'm going to be with people. I'm going to get home and have a, a couple of drinks. I'm going to go to bed, probably late, wake up, go right to work the next morning, you know, and that's, that's how a lot of people's lives were, but instead there's no more travel, right. With, with COVID COVID has changed the landscape. A lot of things, no more travel. Okay. Well, you know, I'm by myself or with my partner at home tonight and doing the same thing I did last night. And, you know, there's only so many episodes of game of Thrones and Bridgerton. You can watch there's a lot of them though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> might take you a few right. months, but then you're done. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where it gets to a point of, you know, is this, is this really all there is? And I think because of that, a lot of um, looking inward has happened more so than, you know, anything I've ever witnessed in, in my lifetime. 
Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's all these other things that you were talking about, the technological revolution, you know, and all the changes that are coming down the pipeline with that. Um, you know, I, I, I think in that vein, health is going to be increasingly more of a focus. And I think with, again, with COVID, it already is because people are just tuning in more, um, you know, in the last 10 years, wearables have really become a thing, um, having an understanding of, of what our data is, but how we, how understanding it can help us be better and have more energy and, and create better habits. So, um, and then of course there's everything happening environmentally and, and politically, but not even going to touch on that at this uh-huh. point. Um, we could sit here and have another entire hour conversation yep. when it comes to health and wellness and how we are feeling. I think the circumstances of the last couple of years have really made people start to think differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a result, more people are paying attention, which is, which is a really good thing. Um, I think of course it can be very scary because again, you go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of our conversation was it's really easy to stay in the status quo. It's really easy to, to say, you know what, this is what the world has always told me. This is how things are not going to change, but there's not a single circumstance I can pinpoint in my own personal life where as resistant as I was to change, and let me be the first one to say, I am terrible at change. I'm terrible at change. Every time I went through a job change, a transition, went to high school, I would I, I, I got to a point where I couldn't even catch my breath. I was so stressed. Terrible at change. Every time I have gone through it, positive things have come as a result. And I think the same goes for, for life in general. And the, the sooner we can start to accept it as opposed to resisting it, um, the better off we will be. Oh, totally agree. And listen, people, we're, we're approaching the singularity with technology advancing so greatly. Like, Take really good care of yourself right now and see how long you can push that thing out. I mean, we might get yeah. to a point where we don't have to worry about you know, death. Maybe we could just keep pushing it out now because we have such amazing you know, health care and, and technology to take care of us, but there, you can't fix the issues that, you know, an unhealthy lifestyle create. So if you can learn to take yeah. care better, better care of yourself, there is all these tools to really, I mean, that's what medicine's for. It's like, how can we continue to use it to better our lives, not to, you know, fight symptoms that really are on us to, to take care of with our stress, our environment, our nutrition, all these eight controllables you talked about. If we can focus on those. We can really live uh, better lives and access higher levels of awareness, higher levels of compassion and empathy for others, and really start creating a better world for all of us, which I think I'm leaning on that perspective and I'm an optimist. And I think that's where we're headed. And I think it's going to be a really exciting time to be alive. I say it all the time. That's how we started this conversation. Completely agree. <laughs> all right. Completely Thanks, agree. Elise. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we're going we're gonna to stick around. If you're a premium member, stick around for the extended episode. We're going to continue flowing with Elise here, ask her a few more questions. I'm sure she's going to add even more value than she did in this episode. If you're not a premium member, you can sign up at $7 a month. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, really appreciate if you do uh, support this podcast financially and help me grow it. And plus you get access to all this amazing premium content. If you don't feel called to support the podcast in that way, a really simple way to support this podcast is if right after you're done listening, go to wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a five-star review, say a few nice words about the podcast. That really helps um, get the word out there and really share this show with more people. Um, Yeah. Thank you, Elise, so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Joe.